Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and on this show, we'll talk all things branding, from launching a product line to owning your side hustle. We'll talk to the movers, the shakers, the thought leaders. What do you say we finally stop focusing on brands X, Y, and Z and focus on brand me? Let's start the show. Being niche in what you are doing is what the special sauce is. If you're offering a sauce for everyone, you can't be really good at what you're doing. Today's episode is brought to you by my brand, Preston Conrad Home. I would love for you to come into my world of luxury home fragrance, responsibly made here in America, all for under $50. We've cut out the big box middlemen, and we are bringing the finest luxury fragrance right into your home. For you guys listening today on the show, you can take 10% off of any single item on PrestonConradHome.com with the offer code BRANDME. That's PrestonConradHome.com, offer code BRANDME. Hey, everybody. Today's episode is all about scaling your business. I am going to sit down with Megan Roop. No one better to talk about scaling with, but Megan is the founder of Sculpt Society, and she talks to me a bit about how she scaled her business from a 1099 side hustle to a full-time, to an app, to a digital experience, and now onto an in-person experience and tour. And no matter what field you're in, from fitness to fashion to anything, you will learn from Megan's episode about scaling your business. So I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here's Megan Roop. Hi, Megan Roop. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for I'm sitting so down with me. I'm so happy we finally get to chat. This has been a long time coming. And we're always ships passing in the night in New York. We are now in California. I know. I'm in LA now. Are you so happy you made the move, especially on these like 20 degree days? <laughs> Honestly, right now I'm super happy. I, I think I will be jealous again when it comes hit like spring and fall in New York. Yeah. And I'm missing that nostalgia moment, moments. But um, I was in New York for 15 years and every winter I forgot how cold it would get. And, you know, I'm just someone that really struggles in really cold weather and New Yorkers, like you're like in the weather. It's not like you're like hopping into a car, like you're trudging through the cold winter. I was telling this to someone yesterday. I was like, you know, what's something they never tell you about New York, even 20 years later that you never look the way you do when you leave the house, you look all cute and you never look that way when you arrive. Cause you've got the elements you oh, have you're like sweating under your like yeah. jacket. You're like, you're like running and sweat. It's awful. Yeah. 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 Hair's all <laughs> sideways, but I'm so happy you got the move out to LA. Enjoy that. The best coast life. But, uh, I wanted to dedicate an episode to scaling your personal brand. And obviously there was no one else I could think of to talk about scaling your business other than you. Tell everybody a bit about, um, obviously Sculpt Society is on fire, but, and I think a lot of people know you from maybe they came to find you during COVID, but how did you get started in this world of fitness and motivation and now running this massive empire? Well, thank you. That's so nice of you. Um, I, you know, my story really started with dance. I grew up dancing and then I went to college for dance and really found my way um, to New York that way. So I went to NYU's Tisch Dance Program. And when I graduated, like most, you know, graduates was trying to just like pay the bills and make it work in New York. New York's a really expensive place to, to live. And so while I was auditioning for professional dance work, I 
was side hustling in a lot of different industries. I was side hustling in fashion. And then I found a job teaching at a local studio in New York fitness and really saw that as just a way to to pay the bills and like stay in shape as a dancer. There was no like yeah. bigger longevity goal, long, you know, long-term yeah. goal there. So um, it really surprised me when weeks into the job, I like really fell deeply in love with the whole, um, the whole process of moving and, and working with women in a way that I hadn't before. Um, mm -hmm. So it became pretty clear early on that fitness was something I wanted to do. I just didn't know where I wanted to go with it. So I kept leaning into it as I moved on to do professional work in New York City as a dancer, as I moved in fit and fashion. I continued to, to dive deeper into fitness, knowing mm -hmm. I'd figure it out along the way. And so I taught for six and a half years um, in New York. And, and it really took me that long to figure out where I wanted to be in fitness and, and really where I thought there was a, a missing place, a real hub. I really found such a void in boutique fitness, in, in dance-based fitness for women to come in and feel successful who weren't dancers. So totally. I wanted to create space for those women and dancers alike to come into a class, to create a class that was under an hour with the emphasis of being with feeling good and having fun. Um, and were I you an employee? Were you an employee somewhere? Like, or were you like me? Like I was starting like side hustle everywhere. Like you were oh, I was side a hustle. Like everywhere. I, yes. I like, had never been a W2 employee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's so funny. Well, you now, and now, cause now we're going through this great resignation where everybody's quitting their job to follow their dream. And there's been all this talk about W2 and 1099. It's funny <laughs> you say that, but okay. So you were a 1099 or like all of us got yeah. it. Yeah, because I think when you work in that creative space, it was it was just constant. You know, everyone, all the the whether you were an actor or a dancer, we all had like ten jobs, and we were just yeah. trying to make it work. And so, um, for me at the time, you know, was a ten ninety nine in a bunch of different places, and then, um, I got to a place where you know I I had, was dancing with the NBA, I was dancing in Brooklyn with the Nets, which was amazing. But um, two years of that and, and years of, of other dance work, I had gotten to a point where I, I knew that that wasn't filling my cup up like it used to. And I really saw the longevity um, and the excitement that I had around fitness. So I just when really- When did the Instagram following come? Did you have followers during that time? Oh gosh, no. So this is your- So before I started the Sculpt Society, I launched the Sculpt Society in 2017 in, in New York City. Oh my God, it's still so I, new. I feel like, yeah. you've been, like you're like the legend. That's crazy oh how God. fast you did that. It, it was, yeah. And at, at the time I didn't have a following. I, I, I had 300 people on Instagram. I was still super new to it. I felt super late to the game, mm. but I also realized how important Instagram was for all businesses. That's how I was discovering new businesses at the time. Mm. And I knew to create a buzz around my class um, that was new in New York. I needed to have um, people talking about it on social, whether they were influencers or celebrities, or I always talk about Sally Joe. you know, she's yeah. got 10 friends that she talks to about everything. And she, you know, word of mouth with Sally Joe is just as powerful. So I launched in real life classes in New York then and, you know, had like two or three people in the class at the time. Where were they? Sorry, Wherever? Where were the classes? They were in Soho, you know, and I feel so lucky at the time there were these, there was like the, the birth of this incubator spaces mm. happening in New York city. So spaces, um, 
that would allow other trainers to come in, teach their method, create their communities there, but you didn't have to deal with the brick and mortar. So I taught at Studio B, Bandier. I taught at, I taught at Project. Um, I taught at Energy in New York. And it was great because, again, I could really cultivate that community and not have to deal with like the toilet paper in the bathroom. At the night, <laughs> right. You know? And like the, the facility, the operations management of the yeah. space and the rent yeah. of it too. Yeah. So, so when was, did... When, so when did you, because just hearing you say 2017, that's so fast. I could only imagine that you're building your brand, you're building your personal brand, you're getting followers. Then this pandemic hits. I could only imagine, I haven't talked to you about it, that that was relatively explosive for your business with people trapped indoors, uh, feeling bad about themselves and wanting motivation. Yeah. And I mean, talk about even more of like a, a new business. I only launched the Sculpt Society app in November of 2019. Oh, so, so, so this had, was, okay. Yeah. So I had launched in real life classes in New York, cultivated that audience and then that community, and then saw this space and this opportunity to, uh, to grow the brand digitally. And that only happened in November of 2019. So when Perfect the pandemic, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel so lucky for that because when the pandemic hit, we were only three or four months old. So still new, still like, you know, trying to, to pave the way for myself and make space there. And like you said, suddenly we have so many more people at home. Um, and a lot of people who didn't realize that they would enjoy at home fitness and are looking for a program. Um, and yeah. you know, maybe our diehard boutique fitness in real life, um, goers and now they're at home and what, what are they going to do? So felt yes. Yeah, silver lining for me was, you know, a, a huge growth in that time. Did you feel pressure, um, during, cause I think we all felt pressure personally in our families and our health yeah. and our safety, but you're, I mean, part of me would have been like, God, maybe this is my time. This is going to be big for my business. Did you feel pressure to kind of like put all the pandemic stress aside and just deliver and perform? How was it creating content in a COVID? I mean, yeah, I felt, I also just felt like a responsibility right. to provide content for my community as an outlet to feel good and, and de-stress during a very stressful time for most people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I I went live on my app seven days a week for like the first nine months of COVID. Oh my God. I think that's I when mean, my sister found you. I was like, cause my sister was locked down with me and she was feeling the same way. I'm like, you know, Megan, like, why don't you down? And, and I think that's how she found you. And my friends yeah. in LA found you that way. I think. So you were going live and actively engaging. Yeah. I was going live on the Sculpt Society app. I was going live on Instagram, Mm. Um, I saw that big opportunity to go live on Instagram for people who didn't know me, who could maybe try a class and then mm. want to be introduced to the Sculpt Society app. And, um, you know, I'm a, a total workaholic. Yeah, <laughs> and same. so while that time was great, um, it was, a, I put immense pressure on myself yeah. to, and, st and honestly, I'm still working through that. I still do that now, um, to constantly turn out content. So, um, I, I do feel so lucky because it was such a finite amount of time where people were really indoors and were really buckling down and finding, finding, mm. you know, workout methods and programs that worked for them. And, and I think during that time, if you found me and you were doing those lives and staying afterwards and we were having coffee chats and we were getting to know each other, you know, that's a really sticky community and audience. And I feel so grateful to have had that time because I still know summer in SF. 
and Vivian Austria. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know those names and I know those, those community members because they showed up every day and they still are. That's amazing. The, I mean, I can only imagine, I feel like I have such a community on Instagram and I don't even um, better people's lives in the way that you do. So I imagine that oh. you feel very tight knit, tight knit with these um, members. What, for this growth, because for someone listening, I think it, it could sound obviously so impressive, but uh, and remarkable. But what kind of like planning was there to scale from Megan side hustle 1099 to yeah. Megan freelancing yeah. in the space to launching an app? Like what did that process look like for someone who's like maybe considering just trying to make their side hustle their job? Yeah. And I, I think as gosh, I think as Americans, we, we love like an overnight success, right? Yeah. yeah. But I do want to tell people when they, I think there's all this pressure to be successful in, you know, in a year. And it's like, I've had like my entire life has like worked up to this moment of like my dance history and, and my professional, everything I've, I've done and worked hard for has like paved the way to these moments. So I feel like you know, I was so, I was teaching a million classes for six and a half years and, and like taking classes and educating myself. And it wasn't just like, I thought to myself, I was going to create a brand. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, right, right. It took so much behind the scenes. So there's that hard work. And then I think, um, you know, I, I really in the beginning thought about who, who is, who is the Sculpt Society? Who is it? And who is that customer? And who am I talking to? And, mm. and how am I providing on social content that is helping their lives? And, mm. and it's not just putting out random content. It's really thinking through strategically, um, the type of content that I am and, and also then engaging with those people on social. And then the, the hard work, that goes behind, you know, teaching classes and showing up. If there are two people in that class, you continue to show up and you give that 110% because word of mouth is so powerful. And I saw that grow in real life, you know, over, over time and over the months. So I think the strategy behind it is, is really getting clear on what your strategy is on social. How are you providing value, value on social and how are you communicating with your with your yep. community, are you DMing? Are you responding to everyone? Even if you have a hundred followers, that hundred followers could be really sticky in that community and that conversation is happening there. And then what does that conversation look like in real life or for me on a, in a digital platform? How am I communicating and showing up and, and making sure everyone who's on my platform is felt seen? I love what you're saying about the community and tailoring it to the community. That's kind of a constant thread of everyone that I've had on the show is really lasering in on who they're talking to, not just putting out stuff to put out stuff, but to enrich person A and maybe grab person B, but knowing that person A needs me and putting out content for them. Yeah. And I'm constantly reminding myself that, you know, I think we all want explosive growth, but like it is so more, it's so much more valuable to have that audience who's, who's really into what you are providing and this bigger audience that only some are into. So making sure when I am putting out content that it's, it's, it's okay if I lose followers over it, if, if it's still, it's, it's still true to me and who I am. And I would so much rather have someone unfollow me, um, than just be around and like, not, 
contribute and be involved in the community. I, I really want to provide con- people who are there and with me on social, I feel like have been with me for a while and are invested in, in my life and in the Sculpt Society. They're like your tribe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what part of, because I, I launched my brand a year ago and it's an interesting place I find myself in of um, digital community on Instagram that they knew me way before I was trying to sell them anything. And now they know me as the same guy, but I'm also trying to sell them some. So what part of, how do you, do are your followers automatically your customers? Do you treat them differently? Do you feel weird trying to overly sell? I I find myself just in this weird position. And sometimes people even message me. They're like, all you do is try to, you know, talk about your, you know, I miss you talking about Amazon jeans finds. It's like, well, I'm not the same person I was in 2012. And so I need to share different things. Yeah. I think what's so great about Instagram is, is people are coming in and, you know, they're getting to know the founder, right? Who you Mm. are building that trust. So I always, I kind of look at so many people that are part of the Sculpt Society app first find me on Instagram, right? They follow me, they get to know me. Um, I'm providing content that they're into, that they're, they're interested in, whether it's healthy lifestyle or exercises they can do at home. And then they eventually, hopefully, try the Sculpt Society app and fall in love with it. So, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like unless you're talking about your brand and and you're telling people about it and whether it's behind the scenes or what's coming up and what you're providing people, then no one's going to know about it. That's what I think. And it's my passion. I mean, it's your baby. I mean, you have a real baby now, a human baby, but (laughs) this is your, probably your first child, right? And you want to share those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like I said before, fine. And if the, if the person is sick of you talking about that, they can unfollow you, but it's the people that are sticking around that want to hear about it, that are, that are truly your customers, you know? Totally. So um, I was going to SoulCycle at Hudson Yards, um, walking by, and I'm like, always like looking around, trying to take pictures of things. And I noticed there's like five billion people and this massive setup. For those listening, Hudson Yards is that fancy area with the big vessel thing. And there was this big event. And I walked by and I noticed friends of ours in common. I'm like, what are you doing here? They're like, I'm here for Megan's tour. I'm like, (laughs) Megan has a tour and there was a stage and your logo. So talk about scaling. How the heck did you go from app to tour and what were the, what were those conversations like and who facilitated that and how, yeah. how did it happen? Yeah. I know it. It's sometimes I, sometimes I'm like, wait, how did how is this happen? <laughs> I think it's just taking one step at a time. You know, it's not like this happened again, like it's one step at a time. And I think for me, one thing that has helped is bringing in smarter people than me, right? So I have mm. a management team that I work with um, that helps me on Instagram partnerships, yep. in real life partnerships, just general partnerships for me and the Sculpt Society. And, you know, right now we're also hiring internally to help build out, you know, our marketing team so that I'm not spread as thin. So, so you can I do can, what you do best. Yeah. Yeah. So I can do what I do best and concentrate on, you know, working, going live on the Sculpt Study app, creating content. Yep. So, but to answer your question, how did it come to be? So I was chatting with my management team about how, you know, I just had my baby and I was just yearning. To, everyone had, we were coming out of like a year and a half of COVID wanting to connect with the community. And I, 
I have always done pop-ups around the country pre-COVID, whether I was visiting Alabama. I would just, anywhere I was visiting, I would do these small pop-ups and I was talking with my management how it would be so fun to do it in a bigger way. And, you know, they encouraged me to do it. And when, you know, I talked to my husband, who's now my COO, and we were, you know, just ideating on how we can, again, it goes back to the community. I wanted to connect with the community. I wanted to see them in real life. And so we then hired a um, an amazing production company that helped us put it all together. Um, we narrowed down the cities, um, and and it was it was a lot of work, but it was so worth it. It's so funny because, um, like you said, because of the Instagram and the social era that we're in, a lot of people um, are under the guise of believing that everything is an overnight success, and he just launched a brand, and she just did this. But in telling that story. At the end of the day, this fancy new thing you're doing is part of your roots. You always did use Alabama. You know, you're almost getting back to all the things that made your brand originally what it was just on a bigger scale now that you have more of a team in place. Exactly. Which exactly. to those listening, it's like, you know, they're asking, oh, how can I do this? How can I get my clothing designs in a store? How can I do this? How can I do X, Y? It's like, always go back to your roots, I would say, of what made you originally fall in love with your side hustle or your yes. your passion. Yes. What Um, advice would you give to somebody who's looking, who maybe they um, work a full-time job and maybe want to dabble in something that's freelance? mm -hmm. What kind of advice takeaways? Yeah, I I mean, my, the Sculpt Society was my side hustle. So I worked, um, once I stopped dancing professionally, I was working in fashion um, as a fit model. So I was like a live mannequin for designers and on the production side of fashion. And that was my bread and butter. That's what paid the bills. Mm. And I knew I wanted to launch the Sculpt Society, but I didn't want to financially depend on it. And so it was the biggest blessing that I did not just dive straight into the Sculpt Society because for the first two years, I would not have been able to pay the bills or survive off of the Sculpt Society financially. What was so great about it being a side hustle is that I was able to really ideate on who my customer was, how I wanted to grow the community, really get really specific about the flow of the class, um, just all of the all of those small details. And because I didn't have to think about what I was making in the class, because by the way, when two people showed up and I was making $25 an hour, <laughs> right. um, I couldn't have paid my really expensive apartment right. in New York, which by the way, was like 100 square feet. Um, right. So... I, I love a side hustle for anyone who doesn't know where to begin. Like start it as a side hustle, um, mm-hmm. put down that foundation, have something else that you're relying on. There's so much, I think people think they don't have enough time and, and there is enough time in the day. You just need to carve it out um, and and start to test it out. Yeah. Do you find um, people sometimes say to me, oh, you're all, you know, I had to miss an event the other night. Well, I wasn't comfortable with it with COVID, but um, yeah. someone was like, oh, he's always working. He's never, I love what I do. So, and maybe 10 or 11 at night, it's like fun. Yes, I have Netflix on the background, but like, it's my job. It's my baby. Do you ever feel that pressure of um, hours when normal people are ordering takeout and doing normal things and we are not? Yeah. It's all I think about 24 hours, 24-7 <laughs> right. It's like the three things I think about is like my child, Harlow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Sculpt Society, yeah, That's and sometimes it. my husband. And no, your husband most- <laughs> yeah. yeah, my poor husband has to deal with all of it. Yeah, they're- I know, but um, yeah, I, it's it's. I think when you are a small business owner, 
you know, it's, it just is what it is. You're thinking about it 24 seven and it is seven days a week. And it, it, that isn't for everyone, right? Like that lifestyle, I think, again, I think people think it's more fabulous than it is, but like, I am at my computer at night while some people are like watching, watching Netflix. I am answering emails and, and, and catching up and, um, yeah, it's a both, a both a blessing, but sometimes can be overwhelming. Yeah. So your brand is so polished. How, what kind of tips and tricks could you give to someone who maybe is looking to do something similar, like whether it's logos and colors? How did that part? Are you inherently creative there or did you lean on some other people or did you do it yourself? Like, what are those kind of steps that people could take to kind of get the expression out? If they're like, I have this idea, I just have to word vomit it yeah. out somehow. <laughs> I know. I think it's tough because I think there are two ways that people think of it. I think oftentimes people pour so much money up front into that overall aesthetic. Yeah. And I don't necessarily believe that you need, yes, we want it polished and we want it to look a certain way, but I don't think, I think a lot of people in small companies waste a lot of money in the beginning where they could really allocate those funds in a different way that could move the needle a little bit more for them than what your brand colors are. Right. Um, You know, I think you can get really scrappy with it. There are a lot of 1099 creatives in the space. Um, Like I worked with a graphic designer on my logo in London. She worked, or I I think she's in the UK. Oh my God. Um, You know, those those type of people that um, are really talented that don't cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and it's, you don't necessarily need to go through a creative agency, you know, maybe down the pipeline, that's a, a great way in, to, to elevate the brand if you want to get there. Yep. But I don't think in the beginning, um, you need to spend a lot of money. I, I do think you want it to be polished and put together. Totally. It's so funny. I, um, when I first started going off on my own, Fiverr was just kind of launching and I was using Fiverr to get like, you know, gig workers to do icons for me or this or that. And it was like, you you don't need to spend tons, focus your time and effort on and what funds you have on building the core of your passion and your offering. Absolutely. What, um, well, I could talk to you forever. We're almost out of time. What, Um, um, what kind of, what was the earliest kind of memory of your brand ideation that lives rent-free in your head? Some sort of, there's gotta be a moment that you're just like, holy shit, back at that time when X, Y, Z. Yeah. I have like really early memories of, I knew I, <laughs> I had the name of the class. Yeah. Um, I knew the different elements that I wanted to bring into the class, but I was really formatting the flow and the programming of the class. And I was mm. Um, I was doing privates with my friend Abigail in her like West Village apartment. And then I would do privates with my now husband because uh-huh. he, he knew what I wanted to do and, and I trusted his opinion. And the different flows and the different classes. And then I would take their feedback on what they liked and that they didn't. And I, I was at that time... I felt really onto something. Like I was, a, I was, a, I knew I was creating something really special. Mm-hmm. But I'll get kind of emotional thinking about it. Um, yeah, that's like a really, that was such a, like an exciting time. Cause it was like the, that's, that's such like the infancy of the brand. But I knew, I like, I knew it was going to be successful if I just put in that sweat equity. Isn't that's that light bulb moment. You'll never forget yeah. that. Yeah. 
God, I, I, that's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that with me, by the way. I love that. Um, and this is a question I ask everybody, especially people like you that are still growing and on the rocket ship. Um, any big brand failures that at the time you were like, holy shit, that actually turned out to be such a brand blessing looking back at it? Yeah. I don't know if it was a massive failure, but I think in the beginning of COVID, I thought that I wanted to expand the digital offering into lots of different modalities. Mm. So offering head and offering heavyweight training and offering oh. like just offering a bunch of different modalities. And I'd even like gone so far as like filmed some classes with different people that I wanted to bring onto the app. And it had has nothing to do with like the, the people I work with are so talented, but I'm so glad I, I decided not to go in that direction because yeah it isn't what the brand is. The Sculpt Society is the best in class when it comes to sculpting and dance cardio. Yeah. And so it would have been confusing, I believe, to the customer to have all of these different modalities and really a departure of, of the core of the, who I am and what the Sculpt Society is. And so when I look back, I understand why I was thinking that, but I'm really so glad that I, I pivoted and really stayed true to what the Sculpt Society is. It's sculpting and dance cardio. Um, because I really believe being niche in what you are doing is what the special sauce is. If you're offering a sauce for everyone, you can't be really good at what you're doing. Yep. That's, God, that's, that's going to be the teaser. That part is so good. What you just said, Megan, I love that. It's like, um, and you know what else? I think the customer or your customer who is your follower would have known because they have a personal connection with you, they would have felt the disconnect. So I think you must yeah. have a really good read on what they want too. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, how's mom life? It's so good. Is it? And I can tell you, like, I was so nervous to become a mom. Were you? Like we discussed before, like the Sculpt Society was my child's all I yeah. thought about. How was I going to bring a human in and like create space? And was I even going to enjoy it? Right. Yeah. And I was so, so nervous about that. And, and I can tell you on the other side, it's, it's been just the biggest blessing in my life. Oh my God. Well, I'm yeah. so happy for you. Thank Congratulations you. on everything. How can everybody find you and your brand on social and online? Yeah, you can come say hi on Instagram. I'm at Megan Roop and at the Sculpt Society. You can start a seven-day free trial with me um, and learn more about the Sculpt Society on my website at thesculptsociety.com. Megan, I love you. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I'm going to go um, start my seven-day free trial. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to keep up. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at Brand Me Podcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.